but recently, uh, some of Rachel's family has come to visit. Uh, Rachel's parents, Mark and Sam McVeigh, are pastors in uh, a small town right outside of London. Uh, and their son also serves at the church, Marley, who was drumming in the cage. If you were wondering who Thor was back there, that's Marley. Uh, who is a phenomenal musician. And so uh, we were hanging out and spending the day, and we just thought, hey, if you're going to be in town, and they're just such a precious family that I asked if they would do us the honor of bringing God's word tonight. So would you do me a favor and give it up for Sam McVeigh, and she's going to preach God's word tonight. Amazing. Hey, thank you for having me. It's really, really good to see you all. Um, We've been in Chicago for two and a half days, literally, and we have fallen in love with it. We absolutely love Chicago. We're a little bit jet-lagged. I've been awake since um, 4 a.m. this morning, but that's all right, because we are just loving being in Chicago. And um, we love your pastors, Joey and Cease. We don't know them very, very well, but we are getting to know them. And what we do know of them is they're just exceptional, aren't they? Absolutely amazing pastors. And what a venue you've got. You know, we, Mark and I, my husband and I, we've been pastoring a church for only just over two years. We've been serving in church um, since we got saved back in 1984, just two scallywag teenagers. Back then we were just punk rockers, 1984, waifs and strays, not brought up in a church family at all, both from very dysfunctional families. But Mark had an encounter with Jesus in his little bedsit in the attic room of the lodging house where he was, came and told me that he'd given his life to Jesus. And then I said, well, I want to do it as well. And we became Christians, totally oblivious to what this journey would mean. But we just fell in love with Jesus, got involved in the local church and the rest is history. But we've always served passionately because we love Jesus. And we are passionate about the gospel. And then just two years ago, in the middle of lockdown, God called us to start a church. And I'll confess to you, I didn't want to do it. And I prayed that I was like Jonah, God choose somebody else. I don't want to be the leader of a church. I don't mind serving in a church, but I don't want to be a leader of a church. But anyway, God always has His way, doesn't He? And so we're just two years in this little church and we hire a school and it's a brand new school that was built about three years ago. We hire a school and we have church there every Sunday. It's fantastic. And it's about 270 in number already. And it's fast growing. And we are just so grateful that God's using us. And our testimony is God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. How on earth He chose me and Mark to lead a church? Well, that's for God to know and for us and the rest of the world to find out, isn't it? But here's the thing, this year, Mark and I were seeking God about what, what does God want to do in His church? We're passionate about His church and we want His church to rise up and become the strong, authoritative church that He always destined her to be. Because how many of you know that through the decades, she forgot that she was meant to be strong and authoritative and instead the church has become weak and intimidated and compromising. And we're like, God, we, we know that's not your design for your church. She is strong, she is authoritative and she's the answer to the needs in our societies, right? So we're praying, God, what do you want us to do this year? And we just had this phrase resonating in our spirits all the time, miracles, 
signs and wonders. And we know about it, don't we? And we read about it in the Bible, in the Scriptures, miracles, signs and wonders. And we're like, why can't we have that today? Why can't we see miracles, signs and wonders happening in our society, in our little town just outside of London? We're up for it. Are you up for it? Are you up for miracles, signs and wonders? Because God wants to do it. But are we ready as His church? And here's what I want to encourage us with tonight. If we read in Acts chapter 2, we learn that there was this great outpouring of God's Holy Spirit upon those disciples, those bunch of misfits that had just messed up so much but yet were so passionate about their teacher, their Messiah, who they'd learned was the risen Saviour. And the Holy Spirit was poured out in this incredible, powerful way, so much so that Peter preached the most bold and dynamic, courageous message, which was quite a contrast to the Peter that we all knew who denied Jesus only recently. Why don't we just read what Peter, what Peter preached in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit had just been poured out and it was incredible. This fast gathering crowd all were astonished at what they were seeing, what they were hearing, what is going on here. And they listened to Peter preach. And here's how he started. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. He said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as some of you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Did you hear that? On all people. Do you think we're living in the last days? Absolutely. I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men, your old men will dream dreams. Mark keeps dreaming dreams constantly. Even on my servants, both men and women. There's no, there's no boundaries here. There's no exceptions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, just say that word, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He goes on and he preaches this amazing message to this fast growing crowd who are just astonished. What on earth is going on here? But this prophecy wasn't just for then. It is for now. It is for you and it is for me and it is for His church because we better rise up and be strong and authoritative. We better rise up and preach the good news of the Gospel. We better rise up as His church because we as His church are the answer to the needs in our society. This was the remarkable change in Peter and he goes on to preach this message. The early church 
was born. And boy, were they a bold and dynamic and passionate, fast-growing number of believers who were so passionate about preaching the good news of the Gospel. And as you read throughout the book of Acts, from the moment the Holy Spirit was poured out, there was miracles, signs and wonders. Yes, they also experienced persecution, opposition, intimidation and hatred. But they were zealous for God and they were unstoppable in spreading His message. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that emboldened them and that empowered them. And here's what I want us to take note of tonight. It all started with prayer. The Holy Spirit came when they were gathered together in that little upper room praying. The early church were a praying church. And I want to encourage you to never hold back or never resist an opportunity to press in and to pray. And I think it's really important that we gather the reinforcements. We are the army of God and our most potent weapon is prayer. And we are better together. So every time the church puts on a prayer meeting, it better be the best attended meeting of that week. Because when we as the church gather together to pray, there's an outpouring of God's Spirit that can totally embolden us, empower us and change us. And what will happen? Miracles, signs and wonders. That's what happens when the church comes together and prays. In Acts chapter 2 verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, gathered, and they were praying. When the church unites in prayer, the power is awesome and the effect is unimaginable. Prayer is our most potent weapon. It's incredible, but the church will stand powerless, bewildered, ineffective and intimidated by all the political issues, all the nonsense, all the stuff that can bog us down in society, all the religious stuff, if we fail to pray. We've got to choose prayer first. In our church, we always say prayer is our first port of call in any and every situation. We have to pray. We cannot neglect prayer. The church is God's agency on earth that demonstrates His love, His wisdom and His power. God listens to His church He listens to her and he works within his church and he works through her. So when we start to pray, when we gather together on nights like this, God stops and he listens and he leans in. What are they asking me for? He's waiting for the request to come. I love Miles Monroe. I don't know whether you know the the late preacher and teacher, Miles Monroe. He says that prayer is earthly license for heavenly interference. You've got license for heavenly interference. So we better use that license because we need heavenly interference here on earth, don't we? 
prayer is earthly license for heavenly interference. Jesus said to His disciples, He told them to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, when we gather together as His church and pray, when we are fully surrendered and open to receiving Him, the Holy Spirit will come upon us, fill us to overflowing. He will empower us, embolden us, equip us, strengthen us, encourage us, support us. And what will we see? Miracles, signs and wonders. What can we learn from the apostles and the early church? Well, I just want to share three brief things with you this evening. Are you ready for this? Are you up for it? The first thing we can learn from the early church is this, saintly gathering. Exactly what's going on here tonight. Saintly gathering. And the Bible tells us, doesn't it? We must not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You know what grieves us the most? That people now go to church if there's nothing else that they need to do or want to do. The, st the statistics say that maybe on average, the average person will go to church maybe once every four to six weeks if there's nothing else on. When are we going to stop and reprioritize the Lord's day and meet together in the Lord's house and fear and revere Him and prioritize time with His church, praying, worshipping Him, sitting under His Word, leaning in, ready to hear what He wants us to do. We should not neglect meeting together. The early church devoted themselves daily to meeting together, to the apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread. Every day they brought bread together. It says in their homes. They met together in the temple courts and they prayed together every day. Let's not neglect meeting together. On the day of Pentecost, as they gathered together in this house to pray, 3,000 people were added to their number. Now, let's just think about that for a moment because we read it, often we read Scripture and we just go through the lines, but let's just pause there for a minute. The Holy Spirit had just come upon them. Why? Because they'd been praying. Then Peter is emboldened and empowered and has this courage because the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit is within him and he preaches this message. And just in that one day, 3,000 were added to their number. It's incredible. Miracles, signs and wonders follow prayer. In Acts chapter 4, many of us will be familiar with the story when Peter and John making their way to the temple courts to pray and they meet this crippled beggar at the gates beautiful who daily sat there begging and he asks them for money. But they say, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we'll give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise upon your feet and walk. Totally emboldened, totally empowered, totally filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they'd been praying. They'd spent time in prayer. Every single day, not just on the one day, but every single day, 
they devoted themselves to prayer. It caused such a stir. It caused all this opposition. And as Mark and I were reading the book of Acts, we were asking ourselves the question, if we want miracle signs and wonders, we better be ready for the opposition. How many of you face in opposition in your lives? Challenges, there are trials, there are situations and circumstances and like, where is this coming from? Those curveballs are coming at us left, right and centre sometimes, aren't they? But the enemy hates it when the church finds her voice, when the church realises the power of the Holy Spirit within her. And when we see miracles, signs and wonders, the enemy is going to start to press in. What do we do? We just keep on praying. We just keep on praying because prayer is our most potent and powerful weapon. They asked him, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, they arrested Peter and they questioned him and they said, by what power and what name did you do this? It's causing such a stir. I don't know about you, but I want to cause a stir in my community. I want to cause a stir in this nation because I am sick and tired of other people causing a stir. Things that are going against the truth of God's Word. Moral principles that have gone AWOL. You know, we need to get back to the truths of God's Word and we need to pray that our nations will fear and revere God again. This is our moral compass. This is what will bring us back to the true north of where we're meant to go, how we're meant to walk. We're meant to walk in His ways. And here's where we find His truths and how we're going to walk in His ways. We've got to pray, church, and we've got to keep on praying. And then we will see miracles, signs and wonders. Even on that day, as Peter preached to all the onlookers who were just gathering like, what is going on with this guy who we see every single day sat begging at the gates beautiful? He preached even to the crowds there and it says up to 5,000 were added to their number. Miracles, signs and wonders, even in the midst of adversity. I want to encourage you, church, not to be discouraged, not to be intimidated, not to be put on your back foot, but to go front foot and on the offence in the power of the Holy Spirit and progress and move forward so that you will see miracle signs and wonders in your life, in your communities, in this nation. We've got to see the nations one for Jesus, haven't we? It starts with prayer. When Peter and John were released, it says that they went back to their people who were gathered together praying. We've got to keep on praying. Some of you might have been praying for years about stuff and you're wondering, when am I going to see breakthrough? We sung about it tonight. We've got to keep calling it out calling out what, what we don't see and calling it into being. We've got to walk by faith and not by sight. That's why we're called to walk by faith and not by sight, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Let's keep on praying and keep on believing. You know, sometimes we pray and immediately the answers are there. Anybody experience that? You've got answers to prayer that you could tick off and tick off and tick off. And then the other prayers, like I have, I've been praying for some people for over 30 years. Like, come on, God, 
When are they going to come to salvation? When are they going to leave the pigsty and come to their senses and make their way home? But like the prodigal father, some people are still a long way off. But God is on the lookout and He sees them and He's waiting for them. And I wanna encourage you, whoever you're praying for, even though it seems like they're a long way off, keep praying, keep believing, because as you pray, those miracles, those signs and those wonders are gonna happen. Don't give up praying. Let's move on quickly. In Acts chapter 12, we read about the evil King Herod. And he started persecuting the church and arresting Christians. He even had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. And then he got Peter and he put him in prison too. In fact, he put him in the inner prison cell and had four squads of four soldiers guard him. And he was about to bring him for public trial. But the church was praying. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. Here's what happened. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck the, uh, Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. What we read is that the angel miraculously leads Peter out of the prison cell, through one gate, then through another, past one soldier, then another set of soldiers, then another set of soldiers. Peter thinks he's seeing visions until he comes outside of the prison altogether, comes to his senses and realises when the angel leaves that a miracle has just occurred. The church were earnestly praying for Peter. He runs to Mary's house. Here's what it says in verse 11. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. What happens when we pray? Miracles, signs and wonders. It is incredible. If we want to see miracles, signs and wonders, then this is not the time to pull away from meeting together. We've got to gather together. We've got to prioritise being in God's house on a Sunday, on a Wednesday. And let me encourage you, find time during the week where you can meet with at least one or two other people and say, why don't we pray together? Why don't we pray together? Maybe it's a jog and pray. Maybe it's a coffee and a pray. Maybe it's a walk and a pray. I don't know what it is, a school run, whatever it is that you do in Chicago. But if you can find time to pray on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Thursday and a Friday, maybe even a Saturday, and then gather in his house on a Sunday and a Wednesday, then you know what? You're gonna see miracles, signs and wonders. The, there is power in a church that prays together. You know, we value Sundays. Mark and I have written 10 values and we said, we're gonna have 10 values. We could have had 100 values for our church. We wanted it to be the DNA of our church, but we chose 10 and one of them is we value Sundays. Now that was a little bit controversial to some people because the other values were we value community, we value diversity, we value a family. 
We value worship, we value prayer, but we value Sundays, what's that about? Well, I'll tell you, we value Sundays because so many other people don't and they do whatever they like on a Sunday. And like I said earlier, going to church is not a priority. And yes, they'll come with the arguments, yeah, but church is the people. We don't have to go on a Sunday to be in church. Yes, I want to encourage you to say, yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you love Jesus, anybody in here love Jesus? Well, then you love what Jesus loves. What does Jesus love? He loves his church. He died for his church and guess what? He's coming back for his church. So we better prioritise being together as his church, praying together. And then what are we going to see? Miracles, signs and wonders. The second thing we can learn from the early church is singleness of heart. Singleness of heart. When the early church gathered together to pray, it says that all the believers were one in heart and mind. They lifted up their voice with one accord. In unity, they prayed. They were there for the same thing. They were on the same page as believers. They valued prayer and prayer was their first port of call. You know what I've figured out, and I'm sure many of you have, that we don't agree on everything, do we? There are so many things that we disagree on. And you know, that's where the little foxes really have a field day and get us distracted, all distracted on the differences of opinion. Well, we don't do it that way. We do it this way. Well, I don't see it that way. I I see it this way. Division, division, division. Distraction, distraction, distraction. You know what Mark and I have learnt, and we've learnt it the hard way is, stop focusing on what we don't agree on and start focusing on what we do agree on. What do we agree on? The world needs saving. People are going to hell. They need Jesus. Who's going to tell them about Jesus? We are. Let's focus on all the stuff that we agree on. Jesus is Lord. Jesus loves His church, died for His church and is coming back for His church. God is the the sovereign God who sits enthroned on high. He has a plan and a purpose for all of our lives. He has a promise to fill us with His Holy Spirit. He has promised to be with us and never leave us. He has promised that He's coming back for us. Let's focus on all the things that we agree upon and forget the little stuff that has no significance in the grand scheme of things anyway. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be worried about that stuff. Let's focus on saving as many lost souls as we can and getting them across that eternity line into the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God. Let's fix our eyes on things above. What matters most is His kingdom and saving souls for His kingdom. Singleness of heart. It's all about Jesus. We all may be familiar with Psalm 133, how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is. It says, for there the Lord bestows His blessing and life forevermore. You know, sometimes we'll have to fight for unity 
And sometimes we're going to have to pray for unity. It's each other's needs to prefer. Fight for unity. Don't fight each other. Don't fight for your opinion or for your preference or for your right. Fight for unity because the enemy will fight for disunity and he will not let loose. He will constantly be on the offence trying to bring disunity and division within his church. Singleness of heart with one accord, that's how the early church were. Jesus said, didn't he, in Matthew's Gospel, that if two believers on earth agree, if two believers on earth agree, find what you can agree upon and then pray about it. Find what you can agree upon. Start writing a list of all the things that you can agree upon that are in line with His Word and start to pray about it. Because He says, for where two or three believers on earth agree, that is, are of one mind and in harmony about anything that they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. How amazing is that? What a promise is that? Every opportunity we get to gather, no matter how few or how many, let's do it and let's ask of Him. Let's bring our requests and our petitions to Him and let's ask. And you know the word Amen. What does it mean? Then so be it. I agree with that. Let's amen one another's prayers. Let's amen them loudly. Let's stand and shout the house down. Amen. So be it, God. Let's see this nation saved. Let's see this city saved. Let's see the miracle signs and wonders happening. Let's see people getting healed. Let's see those marriages being restored and those families being restored. Let's see people getting rescued and saved from lives of addiction and all kinds of mess. This world needs Jesus. There are so many things that we can agree upon and have singleness of heart with. So let's agree together. Let's amen one another and let's walk, as the prophet Amos says, in the spirit of agreement. Can you do that? Last of all, here's one I just want to encourage you with. If we want to see miracles, signs and wonders, then I want to encourage you to have specific requests. Be specific in your requests. Be detailed. I love the story in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 18. And Jesus meets a blind man by the side of the road, crying out. And he asks him the most obvious question, doesn't he? What do you want me to do for you? It's the most obvious question, right? But he he could have said something else. But he didn't. He told Jesus he wanted his sight and his request was granted. He received his sight. I want to encourage you as individuals, as families and as a church here at Belmont, be specific with your requests. What do you want God to do for this city? What do you want to see God do in this nation? What do you want to see God do in your family's lives, in your communities? And even in your own lives, write it down, make it plain, be specific. Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, 
every circumstance and situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. You know, Mark and I are the result of a specific request. We, it was a small little Pentecostal church in the north of England, a little working class town called Accrington of no significance whatsoever. And they had this midweek prayer meeting. And in that midweek prayer meeting, maybe similar to this, they had a flip chart board. And on this flip chart board were specific names of people that as a little congregation, they were praying for. And it said on the top, salvation. And it had a whole list of names. Mark's name was on and so was mine, unbeknown to us. And then somebody came and told us about Jesus and I am so glad that they did. Because even though we weren't brought up in a church family, we had no idea about the gospel. We didn't know about Jesus. We had dysfunctional families and dysfunctional lives. We had no purpose and we were heading nowhere. But because they prayed... And because our names, our specific names were written on that flip chart, we were saved. That is so powerful because now, because of that decision we made for Jesus back in 1984, the whole curse of the generations behind us, it was stopped. Divorce stopped. Dysfunction stopped. Addiction stopped. Depression stopped. It stopped because we chose Jesus and we broke that curse. And now for the future generations that come from our loins, they will be worshippers of Jesus. They will be kingdom builders. Not because of anything we have done. We believe we trace it back to a little church that gathered together faithfully and prayed specifically for the salvation of our lives and others. Be specific with your prayers. Pray the Word of God over your situations, over your families, over your communities, over your city. Pray and ask God for boldness and for courage. Pray and ask for healings. Ask for breakthroughs. Ask for provision. Be specific and watch what He does. Make a list and agree together we're going to tick these names off. Can you do that? Let's do it. Let's be bold enough to ask God, okay, God, I'm going to be specific. Can you save them and them and them and them? And also, can you heal them and them? And can you restore this marriage? And can you save and rescue this son, this prodigal? Be specific. God loves it when we're specific. Petitions in our prayer should be specific and full of faith. I'm just going to finish with this. When Peter had the miraculous escape from prison and went on knocked on Mary's door, this little servant girl was running to the door to answer and she heard his voice and recognised his voice. She ran back without opening the door to the rest of the disciples who had gathered to pray and told them, Peter's knocking at the door. They were praying for him. So she's running to tell them he's here. Don't be silly. Don't be silly, child. And they dismissed her. They didn't believe that what they were praying for was knocking on the door. Are you hearing me? Some of us, we've got this lack of faith in, in the things that we're praying for. 
And we've sung about it tonight. We've got to believe for what we're asking for. And for some of us, the answers are already knocking on the door. We've just got to believe it. Peter was right there. And I love the verse in Isaiah 65. I've highlighted this in my Bible recently. It says, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. You know, sometimes before you can even get the words out, the prayer of your heart is heard and God has already acted upon it. All you and I have got to do is believe. We've got to believe that what we ask for will come to pass. And some of you, I just want to pray for you tonight because you're struggling. Like that father of the son who was demon-possessed, he cried out to Jesus one day and he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. In other words, I believe, but sometimes I lose faith. Sometimes my faith is weakened. Sometimes stuff happens and I just can't muster up enough faith. We've just got to believe. And do you know what I find encouraging in those moments? When we gather together as His church, the faith in the room is enough to carry and compensate for my small faith. Because when I stand next to you and next to you and next to you and we join our faith together, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay tonight because their faith is strong and their faith is strong and I've worshipped with them tonight and I'm feeling the faith and I'm feeling the courage rise up and I'm feeling like it's all going to be possible. I'm I'm feeling like the immovable is going to move. I'm feeling like the Red Sea is going to part and Jesus is going to make a way. Why don't we just stand together, church? It's time for us as God's church across this city, across this nation and across the globe. It's time for the church to get back on her knees and to start praying, believing, not casually, not occasionally, but to be committed to praying faithfully, consistently and constantly, to pray without ceasing. It's time for us to rise up as His strong, authoritative, faith-filled church. Are you up for this? When we do, we're going to see miracles. We're going to see signs and we're going to see wonders. What does that look like? It looks like lost sons coming home, lost daughters coming home. It looks like marriages being restored. Therefore, families being restored. It looks like prisoners set free. Prisoners who are are kept in prisons of addiction, of shame, of guilt. That's what miracle signs and wonders look like. And it happens when we as His church pray. You know the promise in Chronicles. If, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. 
Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. What are the prayers that are gonna be offered in this place? What are the praise reports gonna be shared from this platform in this place? Can you commit to be faithful in gathering together as Belmont Assemblies of God Church? Can you make a commitment to say, I will be there. Every service, I will be there whenever possible. Can you commit to saying, I'm gonna drop my opinions and I'm gonna fight for unity. Can you, can you be specific with your prayers? Let's just take a moment. Just take a moment, close your eyes. You do business with God right where you are. What does it look like for you tonight? Which part of that do you need to respond to? Let the Holy Spirit come and fill you and empower you and embolden you and give you the courage that you need to be His witnesses here in, in Chicago. Let the Holy Spirit come and bring His convictions to you. Let Him encourage you. Let Him inspire you with what's possible. Let Him put dreams back inside of you. Let faith rise up within you. Start believing again. Don't be discouraged. Don't be disillusioned. Let faith rise up in you. Father God, I pray for an outpouring of Your Holy Spirit here tonight. Will You come Holy Spirit and fill us right up. Embolden this church, Lord. Empower this church to be strong and authoritative, to be a light and a beacon in this community and in this city and in this nation. Come Holy Spirit and have Your way. We pray that You will save and rescue the lost, the loved ones that we have prayed and prayed for. Will You save and rescue them? Will You heal and restore them? For the broken marriages and broken families, God, we cry out to You, will You restore what has been broken? Come Holy Spirit and do what only You can do. Rebuild those broken lives, Lord. Lift up the heads of those who have carried shame and guilt and condemnation. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.